1: Out of the gates for our number three outkick three hundred and sixty across the outkick network. The Titans have claimed Zach Cunningham off waivers. Paul, that is a big acquisition for a for a defense that is in need of not just depth but strong starting talent as they prepare for the postseason. You want to stop the run; they've got a run stopper. And much more than that, a, a nice chess piece defensively for the Vrabel's defense right now.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, I don't know if he plays this week or not. He's missed, uh, you know, they've only got a walk ish kind of day tomorrow. If he played, it would probably be very situational against Jacksonville, and they, they shouldn't uh, need him, though injuries could, could dictate something. You know, Dylan Cole is obviously not very good. But a lot of people asking, like, can he play? I I don't really understand. Like, he's on the Titans roster. What don't you get about that? They claim him. He's on the roster. Anybody on the roster can play. Uh, I mean, the the, can he play? That's not a stupid question because of the
1: stupid COVID rules. I mean, is he allowed to come in and immediately join the roster?
0: Yeah, I mean, this year, as we've seen, you bring a guy in, he he plays pretty pretty quickly. Um, So I
1: well for a guy who skipped or was uh, late to his COVID test. I mean, it, they, they cut him loose for a reason. I don't think it's a dumb question to ask if he can play this week when he's claimed on Thursday.
0: Here's the problem with the Titans. Uh, David Long, hamstring, did not practice for the second day this week. Still, still not practicing. Harold Landry's been limited this week, though indications are good about him. Um, so uh, inside linebacker, you're still down David Long. Monty Rice, who went on IR, um, in answering a question about him today, Shane Bowen said, "Yeah, we hope he gets healthy and is ready for us next year," something like that. A lot of people making that like he's talking about January. He's not talking about January. He's talking about September uh, or or August training camp or or OTAs. So they're down there. Rashawn Evans coming off of an ankle injury. Is he on this report at all? He has been a full participant this week after missing five games with the yeah, ankle that's injury. Great. So he'll be back. So you have Jayon Brown, you'll have Rashawn Evans, but you're still thin there with Rice out and with Long. If he's playing, he's playing with his hamstring. So some problems there. Um, and it'd be great if Cunningham could drop in in place. Where's situa- Julio? Situation on the practice. Julio doesn't get a, de- a designation because he's still on IR, but he practiced oh. for the second day. Okay. In a, in so a there's
1: row. a chance we could see Julio Jones and Golden Tate as the top two wideouts this this week for the Titans.
0: Yeah, I doubt that Golden Tate would play as the second wide receiver. I think Westbrook Akina would, and the uh, Tate would be more of a third.
2: That's my. Is Tate for sure playing? Read. He's on the practice squad.
0: Not for sure. Would have to be elevated. Okay. For They'll elevate him squad. on Saturday but if I, they're going to do that. I would expect that. Uh, I mean, they signed him to play him. Uh, I would expect that that it would be Julio Westbrook, Aquina, and then Tate and Rodgers. Yes, Paul. What's your level of surprise that
2: he was available for the Titans?
0: I'm surprised. Uh, I, I mean, I think you know the the guaranteed for injury. Uh, we've mentioned, but I mean, a lot of guys. Uh, contracts are guaranteed for injury. It's guaranteed for skill that is uh, you know if he got hurt this year uh, his contract would be, would be guaranteed. A lot of guys have that um, and, well, a lot and of, you're well, obligated to to keep them until they're But a lot again. of teams
1: have they don't have two inside linebackers who are starting whose contract expire at the end of the year.
0: Right. Which made it advantageous for the Titans. But I mean this is a good quality player. If you could claim a good quality player off of Waivers for the long term. You're right. Other people, their contract stu- structure and the like, uh, don't necessarily. You don't want to allocate
1: him. millions to multiple players at that position.
0: Right. Yeah. At inside linebacker, so it suits them well. But he's a good enough player. If you could get him, you'd you'd want him. So there are obviously a lot of cap situations in front of them that were not play. I think the Titans are like 28th in the waiver order based on tiebreakers and stuff. So they, they probably uh had to beat out every I, I mean, there are probably twenty seven teams in front of them that, that passed. Um and I haven't seen anything about anybody else claiming them except one hint that maybe New England uh might have wanted him, and the Titans are in front of the, the the Patriots only because of that loss last week. Um
1: really and- bizarre that Houston cut loose a player considering Nick Casario's running that organization with New England ties that Another team that's heavy New England-based, like the Tennessee Titans are, want him and love him, and that New England would also put a claim in for him. And
0: I went back. I'm not positive they did, but they might have. Um, Went back and found from Aaron Wilson, a friend of ours in the Houston media, who tweeted on October fifteenth, 2020, likely from a conference call with Mike Vrabel, who was asked about Zach Cunningham and said, quote, he's an elite player. So Mike Vrabel with a very good view of him and obviously would know, you know if these lateness issues in his eyes would have been a big deal having coached him while they were together in Houston.
2: Here are, I think the, the understanding is that he just, again, was not into whatever was, was going, going on, on with, with, the with the new Cully coaching staff. Casario. If you're the new coach, that's always the hope. I, I can fix them. He's going to be engaged now because this is a playoff team. He's got buy-in with me. Yeah, I've been before. with him before, so it's going to be fine. He was just out on this regime.
0: And he never heard a bad thing about Zach Cunningham before. No, he was cut. Going back and to Vance,
2: these issues. Never heard a bad thing.
1: I just I mentioned yesterday. It's odd that you cut a player loose because you're you're all about your uh, internal uh, vibe. Half that roster's on a one year deal in Houston.
0: Yeah, and like, you just signed this. Half guy. that
1: roster's not returning. If if not more than that, right? So they're going to need gonna somebody turn under over contract. You need yeah.
0: somebody under contract. Look, the Titans have. Uh, their inside linebacking moves the draft picks have gotten progressively better we've said this from Avery Williamson to Jayon uh to uh to to Brown to David Long that's a nice steady progression of mid-round picks um but but Avery uh, uh but I'm sorry is that Cunningham as an improvement over the big pick so this is the big ticket right, item now right, right. as an improvement over Rashawn Evans who's been a big disappointment generally speaking that's an upgrade
1: Here's how the Titans handle the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday. And when I say handle, normally it's three keys to a Titans win. Uh, Here comes another bottom feeder in the league, and the Titans need to go handle business, unlike what they've done against the Jets and the Texans this year. They need a repeat performance of what they did in New England in the run game. It's not going to be A.J. Brown. We know that Derrick Henry's out. But besides Henry – Deontay, or Dante Foreman is the only back with more than 15 carries in a game this season for the Tennessee Titans, uh, and not just this season. He's he's the only back on the roster or previous rosters with more than 15 carries in a game over the last three years, if you go back and look at the carries in a game, other than Derrick Henry. They need to continue feeding Foreman despite that big fumble that he had on that run. I, I, I was very encouraged with what the, the Titans did on their offensive line. Keep that going. Keep that pace going, the ground and pound. Uh, Both Hilliard and Foreman topped 100 yards. The first time that the Titans have done that with two backs in a game since 2008 with CJ and and Lindell White. Continue that momentum that they built right before the bye week because that is a method to victory that they showed can work if they just protect the football. Find a way to do that. and uh, Offensively, I was very encouraged with what they did on the interior offensive line in the run game. They should push Jacksonville around in that category this week. Yeah,
2: I, I think the formula can be exactly the same as it is when you have Derrick Henry. Yeah. You have more of a, a multi-faceted running back approach with it. But if I'm picking one guy to carry the load, it's it's Deontay Foreman in this game. But I don't know that the, the game plan really changes, honestly, uh, even without Derrick Henry. Run the football. They've been dominant against this team on the ground. They just had a dominating game against the Patriots. I'm assuming uh, that the the game plan will probably be a little bit similar with Jacksonville, but they don't have the they don't have the players to execute that game plan the way the Patriots could.
0: Two elements back, Nate Davis. We've talked mm. about starting five not being together and finishing games. Uh, Aaron Brewer, I thought did good work in the absence of Nate Davis for two games with a concussion. Nate Davis needs to come in and play as well or better. Than the guy who started in his place. And Jeremy McNichols is back. Say what you will about Jeremy McNichols. He did a pretty good job as the third down back catching passes. That role should be his and his, and that should be locked down. Him as the third down back. Now you only have to sort out first and second down with these other guys who are replacing Henry.
1: Very, Very good point. And the screen game can be back with Jeremy McNichols. In a big way. And this team
0: has screened very well. I wrote earlier this week, they've screened at a pace well beyond last year and spent a lot of time on it. LaJuan said they've been rather embarrassed by how they screened before this year. It was a point of emphasis coming into this season.
1: uh, They're also embarrassed with the number of turnovers. Vrabel has, has pointed at this over the last couple of weeks, but five turnovers against Houston. Four turnovers against New England and no takeaways. It goes without saying, stop turning it over, especially in the unfor, unforced errors. You break off a big run. Expect that there's a defender running behind you ready to jab the football out. I mean, that that should be at, at the forefront, not not of, oh, I, I've got the open field here. I can, I can carry this ball like a loaf of bread. Uh, just yeah. don't turn it over. You right? can also
0: look up at that video board right there. See yeah. that? You're running at it. That's like a <laughs> rear view mirror. Look into it. It shows you what's happening behind you.
1: And the other two losses, by the way, um, against the Cardinals and the Jets, Tannehill was sacked six times against the Cardinals um, and seven times against the Jets. So just protect the quarterback. Don't turn the football over. You'll beat a horrible football team like Jacksonville. That's point number two, and that goes without saying, but that's a point of emphasis this week based on what we've seen in their four losses. And number three, here's how to put the the, the game away early. Jacksonville will allow you to do that. They are minus 82 in point differential in the first half. They they don't mind giving up leads through the first two quarters. Uh, they're second worst in the league in that category for the first half. Um, but they found a way to win against Buff- Buffalo. They scored nine points and won that game because Buffalo could not score and put the game away early. The Miami game was a game in London. And in the other game, the only other game that's been close – was a week four loss against Cincinnati where they led 14 to nothing. And then Cincinnati came back and ended up uh, boat racing them down 14 and coming back to win that game uh, after that slow start in the second half. They came out and played really well. The Bengals did against Jacksonville. That was the only other close game. The only, The other games for Jacksonville, they will lay down and roll over. And the Titans should treat them like that. Jacksonville has turned it over 21 times. Get some get some uh, creative turnovers this week defensively. That is a skill. The Titans have been very skilled in that category. They've also been really good at getting to the quarterback. 27 sacks in their first 10 games. Only two over the last two games. So, time, time to turn up the heat against the rookie quarterback and, and Trevor Lawrence. And then a bonus one for you guys. Uh, the first time these two teams met, Jacksonville ran the football for 198 yards yeah, against the Titans defense. Since then, the Titans defense has allowed 82, 77, 83, 94, 86, 83, and then last week they allowed 100 or 2 weeks ago they allowed 104, 105 yards to New England. If the Titans hold Jacksonville's run game to what they've done since the Jacksonville game,
0: it'll be fine.
1: This is all she wrote. It's an easy game. 6.4 easy
0: yards of carry last time and uh, 5.9 the highest since then. You can't give up that kind of yardage to Jacksonville, which needs any kind of fuel it can find. And you're giving them easy fuel when you're letting them run like that. Chad, Chad, what did Houston have? That was the worst tackling game of the year, Shane Bowen said today. Uh, And I put out a a video with him offering a pretty good explanation of how they practice tackling without tackling, something they've emphasized this week because of that run game.
1: They should be motivated for that and motivated based on what has happened against some really bad teams. The way they lost to the Jets and the Houston, two completely different ways because offensively, they actually showed up against the Jets and it was a tight football game where Zach Wilson played one of his best games of the season. Against Houston, they just allowed the Texans to have life early and the Texans controlled the pace and momentum of that game throughout.
2: And I think the lesson is don't just don't kill yourself. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the, it's the turnovers that really destroyed their chances against Houston in a game where they moved the ball pretty well and would turn it over. I mean, th- there's no lack of focus and motivation for this Titans team that, again, you're trying to avoid losing to three of the four worst teams in the league if you lose to Jacksonville. You've lost to two of them already. I've joked that it, they're lucky they don't play the Lions if they lose to this <laughs> Jacksonville team because they could they could go for the, the foursome Type of force them you don't want. Losing to the four worst teams in the NFL. So they're gonna be plenty motivated and focused in this game to avoid embarrassment. And I think the key is just don't turn the ball over. It sounds, you know, easy. It's elementary, but that's what the Titans have to avoid this Sunday.
0: I think it's easy too to say these two backs, Hilliard and Foreman, aren't gonna fumble again. Lesson learned, all of that. These two backs were on the street in the middle of the NFL season. There's a reason they were on the street in the middle of the NFL season.
1: The college football season was a blast uh, during the regular season and then conference championship games. Alabama remains on top in the SEC. Georgia was unbeaten throughout. We expected them to be in Atlanta. But aside from the Southeastern Conference, a question for you guys when we come back about the state of college football. Is 2021 a glimpse of what we're about to see throughout moving forward? Or is 2021 the exception to the rule as you look at the conference champions about who we thought would be and who ended up being the conference champions around the Power Five? That big discussion is next on OutKick 360. (music) No Clemson, no Ohio State, no Oklahoma. Not just not in the college football playoff, but atop their conference after-conference championship weekend. Welcome back to OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. Those programs are going to be fine now and long-term. We expect them to be back in the mix. But the question I have for you guys, just to discuss, is do we think that the 2021 teams, and I'll, I'll give the details of how long it's been since we've seen Michigan or Utah atop the conference, do we think the 2021 season, Moving forward, can we continue this competitive feel from the universities, from the programs that not just gave a push to their conference, that won their conference? Well, Because if so, the 12-team playoff is going to be a no-brainer. It's going to be awesome.
0: Well, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. I, and I answered this earlier this week, uh, kind of answered this on, on Michigan. What do they do with it from here? What does Harbaugh, presuming he's there, which I presume he will be, what does he do with it at Michigan? How much can he take advantage of a win over Ohio State, a Big Ten championship, and a spot in the four-team playoff with whatever they do with it? What can he do with that in terms of recruiting and trumpeting the Michigan name and rebranding Michigan as back like Chad does, is, is Harbaugh effectively walking into every building and saying, I'm back, we're back, and getting that M out there? If he does that effectively enough, it changes things. If not, it's a one-year aberration. Now, I hope collectively that the Michigans and the Utahs and everything brand it and recruit it effectively so there's a bit of a shift And we don't just fall back to the same thing because I'm sick of the same thing.
2: Well, let's go conference by conference. Michigan's the best chance to supplant Ohio State and compete with them every year. That's if Jim Harbaugh stays and can can get some normalcy with what they did this year moving forward. That's not beating Ohio State every year, but that's being normal in the discussion of supplanting Ohio State as Big Ten East champion followed by Big Ten champion. Be
0: 50-50 with them. You can't lose 11 in a row or whatever.
2: No, is. but not only that. I mean, Michigan State was a great story most of the year. They're down 49-0 at halftime to Ohio State. Right. Right. It was a great game and a great win against Michigan that they had at home. They, they lost to Purdue. Uh, Mel Tucker got an astronomically high contract out of it. Now, do we expect Mel Tucker to now be Michigan and Ohio State every year? I don't. I need to see more of it than just this one-year sample and again, they're down forty-nine, nothing at halftime. Penn State, State, once
0: in a while, needs to. Penn State is
2: right now the way they—they're two, two and five. I think finish of the, the season,
0: yeah.
2: the seven and five. It's not going to cut it. Let's go to the ACC. Clemson will be right back if Tony Elliott, in fact, is staying. They lose Brent Venables if they make a, a, a solid hire at defensive coordinator. If Dabo Swinney's not forced to completely hire a new staff every year, the way Nick Saban is. They're going to be right back to being dominant again next year. Pittsburgh's a nice story. They're not going to have another Kenny Pickett come through for a while. Uh, Kenny Pickett's a Heisman finalist for a reason. They lose their offensive coordinator. They're not going to sustain it. Wake was a one-off. Can Mario – and Wake isn't going to compete with you know – they're still not the conference champ. Can Mario Cristobal return Miami to prominence? Can Mike Norvell return Florida State to prominence? A long way away from that happening. Now let's go to the Big 12. Oklahoma's no longer in the Big 12. They're in the SEC. So, how does that change things for Oklahoma? Another semi regular
1: in this. Baylor shows you what's going to happen there because you've got Oklahoma State and Baylor, 13 combined 10 win seasons since 2010. Cincinnati has five of its own 10 win seasons since 2010. They're about to join the Big 12. It, on top of that, Houston and BYU finish ranked. The Big Twelve looks bright, despite Oklahoma and Texas competitive. Competitive, I'm saying. Not Big Twelve is going to
2: have a chance to put three or four teams in a 12-team playoff. When you look at the programs that are left in the Big Twelve,
1: Kansas State and West Virginia are, you know, they're they've played in BCS bowls. If you go back away, Houston
2: was 11 and two. Cincinnati's already in the playoff, not even in the Big Twelve. BYU's gone 21 and three the last two seasons. Uh, Matt Campbell is still at Iowa State. Against TCU all probability for of a conference leaving.
1: title within the last five years, I'm just like you, Iowa the, State, the Big
2: Twelve is going to be a fun conference. Yeah, Big Twelve is not dead. And they're competitive. Big D- Twelve Perth. is not
1: dead with their additions. And then uh, the Pac Twelve.
2: Pac Twelve's been dead. Lincoln Riley's at USC now, so Lincoln Riley at USC could become another semi regular in the college and football. And who's playoff. coming to
1: Oregon? They've asked for permission, by the way, Oregon, to speak with Chip Kelly at UCLA. Yeah, that's the
2: latest report is that they're uh, they're talking to Chip Kelly. Someone else, I think uh, John Canzano, who's really close to that's it, odd. said this is also going to take a, more turns in the next 24 to 72 hours, That, but this could signify a grounding of the search to where they're going back to someone they know.
1: Is UCLA the, the NFL team of college football? I In all of the coaching movement, I have not heard a university ask for permission to speak to a coach. They just pick up the phone and do it. Yeah. were they call you, all they were
0: saying? So you're saying they're, they're respected? No, I'm saying... I do that? I'm no, saying, well, I is think there something...
2: I think that they're asked. I think they're only asked when they know they could get the coach. So they do the back channel thing with search firm or AD talking to an agent, and once they know it's serious business, it that is it. when you still officially call the AD and ask. I think it's just being reported this way. For the first time, where they called USA UCLA and asked for permission,
1: it's it's just odd. And like, also because imagine a, if UCLA said no,
2: it's a conference. Uh, it's a conference team. These are the so dominoes. I There's, some, there's I asked a weird for. respect within the conference. These are the
0: dominoes I asked for. If Chip Kelly goes to Oregon, then we have another big job. But here,
2: over. Uh, so I'm getting a, this is a, a big way to go into the answer to your question, Hutton. The answer is no to me because Clemson's going to be right back. I don't see Mario Cristobal building it so quickly that it's not going to happen. Oklahoma probably drops out because they're going to have to adjust to life in the SEC, uh, and the Big 12 is going to be very competitive while they're in there in the interim. And who won the national title last year? Oh, yeah, it's the team that just destroyed the undefeated team in the SEC. Yeah, and is still there. The, the, in the SEC, the SEC. championship. So with all of this talk of parity, we still have the likelihood of Alabama and Georgia – in a national championship game, and that's exactly where we started but this season. But things could have gotten scrunched talking about those two teams. That. So
0: we talk about those two at the top, but things could have gotten scrunched from 12 to 4. Well, the, I think and the, I fun, feel like that happened. the
2: fun in this season was Alabama wasn't dominant all year. They lost at AM. They had a close call against a pretty bad LSU team. Auburn. They had a close call against Auburn. They had a close call against Arkansas. They were they were threatened throughout the year, which made it seem more fun. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we're gonna be sitting here in mid-January thinking it's all that fun when Alabama beats Georgia to win a back-to-back national title and further submit Nick Saban as the best all time in the sport. But
0: even if they do it again, and I'll take this somewhere preposterous, women's basketball. You know, even if UConn and UConn's leveled off too, but even if UConn's out there at the top all the time, right? The field of 64 isn't strong enough. And what we've always said about that is like the 64 needs to be better. Is the 64 getting better? That's what I'd say here. Like 15 isn't threatening to one often enough. I feel like this year well, it they're is. They're definitely it getting is better. And I think
1: it's better coaching beneath the powerhouse teams that win every year. Four of the five power five conferences have a new conference champion. And not just new. Um, Pitt wins the ACC title for the first time, the first title of a uh, uh, conference title at Pitt of any kind in eleven years. They won it this year. In uh, the Pac-12, Utah won its first Pac-12 title, first, uh, first conference title of any kind in thirteen years. Michigan won the Big Ten for the first time in seventeen years. Wow! Now, when you start packing packaging all of this together, Baylor winning the Big Twelve. Uh, first time in seven years they've done that. Um, I want it all to mean something. This is fresh blood, and, and fresh can still be old, but it's not it, – It's. It, it, I only bring this up because what we thought would happen happened. Alabama and Georgia both made the college football playoff. You have two SEC teams in the Final Four, but yet you feel there is a fresh, uh, a fresh sense to the other conferences, which is really fun. And the hope is that the other schools, the other coaches, which, by the way, are getting paid big money, elevate to a point where they are more competitive down the stretch. I just don't – I
2: think the problem with that is – and I agree having Michigan and Cincinnati is fun and different this year in the playoff. Having Alabama and Georgia – Georgia not necessarily. It's not they've been a lot. But makes it feel a little bit more stale because that's what we predicted yeah. to start the season was always going to be Alabama and Georgia – not just the two best teams in the SEC, but probably the two best teams in the country. But I still look at these other conferences. It's still Ohio State, number one. Michigan, probably number two now. And maybe Michigan State, now that they're paying Mel Tucker this amount of money, that can be in there. I don't know that Penn State, with James Franklin, I'm putting in that group right now. Right. Uh, I don't know that I'm putting one of the, uh, the Big Ten West in that group. But what helps Hutton is competent leadership at programs that should challenge these other programs. Mario Cristobal at Miami, great hire. That's competent leadership from a guy who knows the program that can now recruit the hell out of Broward County, Dade County, Palm Beach County. That's going to help. Will Mike Norvell ever get it going at Florida State? If he does, that's going to help balance things out. Lincoln Riley at USC is a no-brainer, grand slam, slam dunk every bit of hyperbole you can say about it. It's going to work out, you, you believe, at USC for Lincoln Riley. I think USC being a, a national player definitely helps. What can Marcus Freeman do now at Notre Dame now that you've sort of balanced out the power? Brian Kelly did a great job there. Never really came close to winning a national title. He got there, but they weren't close to the team that won it when he got there. What can he do at Notre Dame? I think all these factors leads to what could be a more exciting uh, level of, of uh, spreading the wealth of parity a little bit at the top of college football. But I still say all that and I look around and I think, Alabama and Georgia aren't going anywhere. No. As long as Nick Saban's alive, it's going to be Alabama and Kirby Smart is going to continue to recruit at a clip that it's going to be Georgia. The X factor to me is A&M because of how they're recruiting. But the- if you want to see another SEC team get in the mix quickly... Mm. And they already beat Alabama this year. I think it's Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher. But if not, we're going to be going into – I'm looking out three to five years down the road and thinking, it is going to be Alabama and Georgia as the two teams in each division that is going to dominate. And we're going to be looking at the possibility of Alabama and Georgia being the two best teams in college football going into a playoff with the exception of Ohio State. That's always been there regardless and maybe a Lincoln Riley at USC getting them going quickly.
1: But the I don't want Alabama or Georgia to go anywhere. I, I want the best football at the very top. I just the other- want the expanded playoffs and all this. Yeah. And even if Georgia and Alabama end up as the, as the vast favorites, I, I still maintain that Ohio State could do to Georgia what Alabama just did because they can press the issue on the outside. Nonetheless, we would get that opportunity in a 12-team playoff. Right now, you'd have Ohio State hosting Michigan State in a rematch in a 12-team playoff based on the rankings. You'd have Oklahoma State at Ole Miss, Pitt at Georgia, because Georgia would not automatically, even though they'd be in the top four, they're not a conference champion. The top four conference champions on ranked, uh, on the rankings, the final rankings, would get a bye based on the June proposal. Um Pitt at Georgia, Notre Dame at, or yeah, Notre Dame would host Utah, and the buys would go to Bama, Michigan, Cincy, and Baylor. I mean, this would be outstanding, and we, we, we talk about how competitive these conferences were down the stretch. Think about the twelfth team playoff for the opening round and the host sites.
0: Yes, and if there's some duds in there, so, look, there are duds in the Bulls, and the Bulls don't no, mean anything. Yeah, well, it's, hard, it's hard to have, see
1: duds in the opening round. No. There would be duds moving
0: forward. Yes.
1: But not, it's hard to see the duds in the opening round of the 12-team well, playoff. Even if
0: there are. If there's a blowout, so be it. There are blowouts in some of these bowl games, and the bowl games are of no consequence. Well, the fun thing
2: happens when there's more of a revolving door of
0: First three teams.
2: or four through 12. Yes. yes. Because yes. I think the worst thing that could happen is you see what the four-team pl- uh, playoff did in terms of creating this system where three of the four are pretty much a given every year. Um, and then that, that really, I think, further cemented the divide between the halves, the, the ultra, the uber haves and the have nots with those teams that are in every year. You don't want to create another system now where it's just twelve of those that you regularly get or ten that are regularly in that, that final twelve. Chad the, the And I think that the chances of that happening are pretty slim because I, I could see with a lot of these programs a pretty regular revolving door of who's having a great year that can sneak into that twelve team playoff.
1: The eleven and two uh Pitt Panthers are the ranked twelfth right now. Thirteenth was BYU, and they would be the first team out. Oh, that'd be a big fight right there. That's great though. I mean, that's that's the debate we should be having. Exactly. We've always
0: said there'll always be a fight about the last spot, but it's better to have it about twelve and thirteen than four and five.
1: BYU, Oregon, and Iowa are ranked thirteenth through fifteenth in the final. Standings for the college football. That's playoff a good committee. argument to have, but that that's about. I mean, Iowa should not be in the 12 team playoff. Be. They're ranked fifth. I mean, they're they're right where they should be based on what they accomplished. But this season BYU
0: Oregon is a good fight.
1: Making it to, to the have. conference championship game. Well,
2: here's what's great about that fight. No one cares outside of BYU and Oregon fans right. that are going to argue about their team. Right. I mean, that's one that I I, I really don't care that BYU and Oregon right. are in if Tennessee. But was that's there. Where it helps when you when you spread out. Yeah, and then Tennessee fans would care. Right. And they would fight about it. Also, I want to point this out, because I know uh, Kirk Herbstreit's been going wow, on a tangent about really the conspiracy taunting. theory. Everybody talking conspiracy theory. Look at Cincinnati, <laughs> who's in there. When it was Kirk Herbstreit he's saying throughout the year, I don't know if Cincinnati will be there, even if they win all their games. Cincinnati would not be there if Oklahoma State got a few more inches. Yeah, if they and won cut that got cut-up I am convinced of that. If Oklahoma State wins, I still firmly believe. There's no way to know, and the committee would never tell us, nor should they. But if Oklahoma State wins that game, I think Oklahoma State as the one-loss Big 12 champion would be in over Cincinnati. So, things still had to break right even though Cincinnati did everything they had to. They go unbeaten, they handle business easily against at the time 11 and 1, right or one or two loss uh Houston team. Yeah. They scheduled yeah. the right team. They went to Notre Dame and one
0: at what if they hadn't scheduled Notre Dame? What if they had scheduled some right. other good team that didn't have a great year? You know, And so they had I, I a good wanna, year last year, so they ramped up. There's but a they reason, had to do a lot of things right, Cincinnati. There's a
2: reason we're talking about, boy, Cincinnati maybe could challenge more regularly now that they're in the Big 12. Yes. There's a reason you go up to the conferences, Kirk, and everyone else. It's because they are up against it. In the in the lesser conferences, when you're not a power five, conference. I don't like
0: the way he's handled that at all. I wonder if somebody well, in the S P told them. I don't really blame shill for us here. Well, he's just tired what? of
1: having to answer the question about yeah. How like I don't, I don't blame him a power five shill. He's being a good soldier because yeah, but he's, he's
0: being condescending about it. He could be a good soldier without being an ass.
2: Well, I mean, he can do it however he wants. I'm just pointing out hot that hot meat kettle.
1: I,
0: I, <laughs> yeah, no, I understand, but yeah. I'm an ass. Generally speaking, he's a good guy. Well, he's generally. allowed to be one. He's if going he wants out of this. Going if he's going tired of can- answering the
1: question I mean, year after year. So be it. Kirk
0: Herbstreit goes
2: after people a lot on Twitter. He can he can be an ass with the best of them that, that I've seen, but uh, he's protecting his company, which is fine. But I'm here to tell you, his company is pulling the strings on a lot of things that happen in college sports. You can you can accept that and believe it or not, but refusing to accept and believe that, you're living in a fairy well, tale. Company, world. And the his company,
0: company ain't real excited about
1: Cincinnati being in. Oh, no, but I'm not either. I'm not either. I wasn't excited about Oklahoma State getting in.
0: Well, I, I look. The and
1: best thing that could happen for college football is for Cincinnati to beat Alabama.
0: Yeah. And because
2: that is what would officially put it all to rest. But yes, Then we'd be sitting here saying, you know, it can happen. Cinderella can actually win <laughs> against the biggest of big boys in college football. Yeah. Is that going to happen? I Probably don't believe not. so. But there's a lot of things that's happened this year that I did not see happening. One of which was Alabama falling behind 10 nothing against a historically good Georgia defense and just routing them the rest
0: of the way. But the odds are whoever's in that game against Alabama, no matter what conference they come You're right. from, lose. You're right. Big. And we're all upset that it's not a better game, and we wish there was somebody better to play Alabama.
1: But at least we get Michigan, Georgia yes. in the matchup.
0: Is that the second you know, game? I sure hope it is. It is. Now yes. I, they should have, even if it wasn't scheduled. What they should do, I don't know if this is the case. Not schedule those two games, but time wise, until after the bracket comes out, so oh, they I'm can not make sure, they do. sure that. I don't know if that's the case or not, but make sure the good one's late.
1: I'm not sure they schedule the times until they announce the the pairing. That's good if they didn't. Um,
0: because if we got stuck the other way with Cincinnati being the yeah, but, one, Because
1: it doesn't matter. I mean, it's on the same network, so it doesn't matter what time they kick off. Like, you're not battling another network right, for the kickoff time. But you get what time. I'm saying. No, it would be yeah, a bummer yeah. if the good one was early. No, they got it and right. And then we had to sit
0: through Cincinnati late. <laughs> they got it right. And it's a 40-point it, blowout. It, but to your isn't. point,
1: Paul and Chad, it, in past years, it hasn't mattered who kicks off first or last because the semifinal yeah, games both, historically both are blowouts. So. Uh, I'm not expecting Georgia-Michigan to be a blowout.
0: I'm not either. I'm First hoping, glance I hope and like initial... Well,
2: we we say all this and now Alabama-Cincy will be a classic and Georgia well, will blow out That's great.
0: I want them both to be classic.
2: I'd love for one of them to be good.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, we that's feel a, like that's the that's best we can hope That's a bare minimum.
2: For. Yeah, that, right. I'm really hopeful that at least one is a really but, good game.
1: But Whichever one. But that's just one of them. I'll go back to what I said all of the last couple of weeks. That's why I was rooting for Alabama in the SEC Championship because at least... I feel as though we get one good game in the college football playoff now because if Oklahoma State and Cincinnati are ranked third and fourth right now, I'm here to tell you I'm not excited about the semifinal matches on New Year's Eve. I'd rather go downtown and celebrate with family and friends and watch the ball drop or the music note drop here in town instead of watch college football. Now I'm glued to the TV.
0: I'd choose C given those choices. Bad games or the ball drop, give me a C. (laughs) Paul will be at home with a – hot toddy. Probably oh, so, taking a nap. So, yeah. A ball drop is a claustrophobic, uh, hard-to-go-to-the-bathroom situation.
2: <laughs> you'll be uh, you'll be re-watching the succession season finale <laughs> at home
1: on New Year's Eve. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, whether you agree or disagree, let us know. At Outkick360 is where you can find us. Uh, stay tuned. Some other thoughts on Zach Cunningham joining the Tennessee Titans. Titans claiming him off waivers today from the Houston Texans. More on that. Uh, along with uh, some discussion about tonight's game for Thursday Night Football, Steelers on the road taking on the Minnesota Vikings. Zimmer's job, I think, is on the line. He needs a win for the Vikings team that could fall to five and eight. That's next. So now, kick three sixty. The Texans waived Zach Cunningham, one of their top defensive players. The Titans have claimed him. And let's just put in perspective how bad things have gone for the Houston Texans as of late, Con- contractually. Whitney Merciless was extended on his contract in 2019, late in that season. They cut him this year. A year and a half later, cut him loose. Uh, he was claimed by Green Bay. The rich get richer there. Zach Cunningham, extended in the 2020 offseason, cut loose yesterday claimed by the Titans their division rival today. Deshaun Watson extended in 2020 the $100 and that was in September of last year. And before the civil lawsuits were even filed, he was demanding a trade at the end of last season. He wanted out. He wanted nothing to do with that organization. David Johnson, as a, a part of a trade, is just a zero in the backfield. A part of a trade that sent Hopkins oh. to Arizona. And in return, they will have the first pick in the draft for all of this. I, I, that doesn't even count Laramie Tunsell and the trade they did for that. And everything, I mean, it is just a putrid organization right now uh, with some really poor leadership. It reminds me of the Tennessee Titans from about 2013 to about 2016. I mean, some really bad leadership from the top down, and that's happening right now with Cal McNair and Easterby, who ran that organization into a brick wall, and now Casario's left to clean up the mess. He's uh, he's
0: leading to the mess, too. I mean, cutting one of your best guys seems like a rash decision, exponentially bad punishment. He's going to the team you're playing. He's going to a division rival. You're going to see him for the next three years, four years, conceivably. Dumb move.
2: Well, and, and first off, I forget David Johnson's even a member of the Texans at times. That, that's crazy with that trade that we all remember with DeAndre. You didn't Hopkins. pick him
0: up to replace Derrick Henry when uh, on your fantasy team.
2: I did not. Uh, that's still a, an issue, but I did win. I've won the last two weeks, so that that's good. Um, it's crazy. I and mean, it's, like, it's like it's like Tommy fallen.
1: Smith and Ken Wizenhunter running. Well, the, the whole
2: Easterby thing too is we all remember the story, the profile that was written on him. He's like half youth pastor. Slash team president, GM, strength coach, motivational guy. Hyp-
0: hypnotist of ownership. It,
2: it's very yeah, – yeah. that part of it's very strange. I mean, it's it's really bad for the Texans.
1: Um, it could be really bad for Mike Zimmer. It's going to be, right? If they don't make the playoffs, he's out. And right now they're 5-7 and seven, Minnesota. They've lost a number of close games throughout the regular season. That's well documented, but they lose. They don't win close games. Tonight they host the Pittsburgh Steelers coming off of a loss – to Detroit. They lose to the Lions and then on a short week turn around and lose to Pittsburgh with a, a long weekend coming up. To me, Stimmers out the door. And I, that's how I read into that.
0: I, I we had a nice short conversation about this earlier this week. I thought, well, his young girlfriend will comfort him, and Chad said, no, his young girlfriend will leave him. Well, maybe go, go find another my, uh, NFL I don't, coach.
2: I don't want to be the one who said will. Maybe it's leave. true love. I said maybe, maybe she'll leave him.
0: him. It'll be a real test of true love. Is this true love, or is this NFL coach? Look, stuff?
2: it's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think it's a reasonable question. I, I don't pretend to be an expert when it comes to what women want. But one thing they typically like None of us is a guy that's employed. Yeah, they tip. They tend to like employment with their. No,
0: his checks will keep coming if he's fired. So his status changes, but his bank book does not. Bank book—that's an old term. Well, here's—that's an old term
2: for what you yeah, did when you
0: deposited. Let's your just money. play this
2: thing out with his young, uh, his young girlfriend. Okay. Does his now newfound abundance of availability
1: Time. hurt his chances? Yeah, because but
2: maybe part of the appeal is he's very busy. But He was, he's gone a lot. They right? went public. We can live our lives too, separately. I, I
1: want to give Zimmer some credit here. They went public with the relationship while he's on the hot seat. Yeah,
0: now maybe to me though, that
1: speaks a little more than just um, this is just a fling.
0: Let's go with this though, Chad. Now he's home. She's, by the he's way, home? she
2: is. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys read it, but she is a, a catch in many ways. Brilliant. Fisherwoman? <laughs> no, I'm not joking. She's like- Very a, surprising. Yeah. That's her. She looks really smart. You're really playing into some stereotypes. Uh, no, but listen, maybe- No, my, I'm just saying, like, I'm not- I could see anyone that's good looking and say, oh, that's a good looking person. Like, she's got a lot going on on top of that.
0: Maybe Mike Isn't Zimmer- she, She's a scientist of some maybe sort. Maybe Mike Zimmer, given all this time- Hold on. <laughs> Unless you can bring the details. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get it. I've got it right here. Hold, it. On, hold on. In science. the meantime, let me say, Mike Zimmer at home with, with no job- Sitting on his couch, maybe all of his witticisms, he's got more time to impress yeah, her. Maybe. So we could go with the, his unavailability was attractive, but maybe his availability will make him more attractive. He's firing off his one-liners. He's taking her ice skating. He's taking her bowling. All the things you do with a young lady. Read your thoughts. I
1: think Chad is technically correct because a gold digger would be a geologist. <laughs>
0: uh, which is a branch of science.
1: Um go ahead, she- Chad.
2: Uh, so, okay. It's it's a cosmonaut.
1: Dream- he dreamed this.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's Coming funny because the one minute, of, it's man? all these
2: questions in the story I'm reading at Sporting News. Yeah, and favorite one of is, color. One of them is, what happened to Mike Zimmer's wife?
0: <laughs> uh, what did happen to Mike I think Zimmer's wife? she passed wife? away. She
2: graduated from the college Poison? of... Poison? No. L- 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 Paul, please. She graduated from the College of St. Scholastica. Not joking. With a degree in psychology. That's not a college. She received her MBA from Northwestern University. Well, that's a college. In her Instagram bio, she calls herself an entrepreneur. Yeah. She with runs his money. Uh, she runs an adventure and outdoors blog uh, titled <laughs> Katarina Elizabeth Outdoors. Focuses on outdoor eight. sports such as paddle boarding, kayaking, hayacking, uh excuse me, hayaking? hiking and snow. That's the combination of kayaking, <laughs>
0: hijacking, and, hiking, kayaking, kayaking and, snowshoeing. and hijacking. Kayak
2: <laughs> snowshoecking. She's got 429,000 followers. Right read now. that
0: blog overnight. And give us a, an executive summary in one page. She's also 40 years old. Which oh, she she's not. About. She's 40. That's when she
2: Katarina, rounds up. I mean, unless when she rounds other, up from 27. Katerina Mikaton, 40 years old. I'm looking at it right here. I like
0: to think of her as Katerina. Paul, her parents,
2: uh, You'll you'll appreciate this. Her parents are immigrants from Yugoslavia. Oh, yeah. Much like your family coming over from the motherland, the mother yeah. country. Of and like Russia.
1: Chad, she, she never ages. Well, my parents. Stay the same age. Some,
2: some grand beautiful.
1: <laughs> hey, Justin Jefferson tonight. Play him at FanDuel uh, for over a hundred yards. He has been the best wide receiver in the league over the last month. Thursday night football tonight. We'll recap it tomorrow. Let's get you ready for the football weekend on Outkick 360.
0: I'm rooting for no one in this game, and I'm rooting for you to don't block the box and do. Lock the Locks.